Hey friends! Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Grappling with Popular Belief. Today, I am going to be digging into a really fun topic. I'm going to be looking at the relationship between money and happiness. This topic can be grappled with in a lot of different ways, and a lot of people feel pretty strongly about this idea. In the first episode, I took you on a little tour through what my life has looked like and some of my experiences and um, just what my life has looked like so far. And I think you can probably imagine that I have a specific way of thinking about money as I am a social worker, so not necessarily the most money-motivated person. However, I can't deny that money is a very important and crucial part of all of our lives. So today I'm going to be pulling out some binoculars and looking at what society says about money and happiness, what I have read doing a little bit of research and looking at some data. And also I'm going to be inviting a good friend to join me in chatting about the relationships between money and happiness and some different things that I found while doing my research on this topic. So when I decided to choose this topic to dig into this month, I had to do a little bit of investigation. Before I started hitting the literature, I started asking some of my friends, my family, people on social media, just whoever I could get in contact with about the thoughts and beliefs that they have on this topic. What I have found is that when I ask people about what makes them happy, about what really fulfills them, it seems to almost never have anything to do with money. Most people are telling me that the things that bring them joy are relationships, whether that be family or significant others or friends or even fur babies, (laughs) adventuring outside in nature and consistency. When talking to my friends about this idea, I'm also hearing that a lot of people are acknowledging that you can't really say that money doesn't provide any connection to happiness. There's definitely uh, an impact that your financial stability has on your mood and your experience through your daily life. Some people have mentioned that they've actually seen studies on these relationships and that there seems to be a strong correlation between money and happiness up until a particular salary amount. Some people mentioned that they saw it plateauing out at 50,000 a year. Some people said 60,000, and I think the highest I heard was 75,000. So I think that's an interesting perspective and an interesting uh, set of data that we do see sometimes. And I think the overall conclusion to that, or at least what I have gathered from that, is that there's a pretty strong relationship until people's basic needs are met. Now, depending on where you live, what you need to have in your life to survive, whether that be certain medications or different dietary needs, there's going to be differences between individuals. But wait, before we get much deeper into this uh, very controversial topic, we have to ask a very important question. What actually is happiness? There's no hiding the fact that happiness is very subjective and can mean different things. 
when we think about happiness, we could be thinking about mood. What kind of mood are we in today? We could be thinking about uh, success. Some people might think about happiness in terms of their overall life success. And a lot of these things can seem very subjective. So when I started to read up on some of the research being done on, on happiness and money, I found that some of the researchers also noted this confusion. And a common way that they were breaking down the idea of happiness was separating mood and overall life satisfaction. So as I continue to untangle these ideas, I invite you to think about happiness in that way. Think about your mood and think about your overall life satisfaction. If you've gone to college or written research papers or even just done some digging into different literature, you know that this has been a very exhilarating experience. <laughs> As I've been shuffling through all of these studies and reviews and papers, I've been finding some common themes. The first thing that I'm going to mention here is something that I found very surprising while I'm reading through all of these papers that are very focused on money and finances. I found that many of them mentioned that there's one thing that seems to have a much heavier impact on happiness than money. Can you guess what that is? Drum roll. I'll give you a clue. It's something that I talk very highly about. It is relationships. Some studies even point to the fact that spending money on others or with others can increase happiness more than just having the money yourself. This was really satisfying for me to find. Obviously, I am very passionate about human connection, and I know how crucial relationships are to human life and development starting off as soon as we're born or even before we're born, really. So a conclusion in this arena that one study found was that when people are primed to focus on relationships, they actually seem to care less about money. So if someone mentioned relationships before asking them questions about money, their interest in money seemed to be lower. However, if you went the other way and started talking about money first, they seem to show less concern for their interpersonal relationships. So this was kind of an interesting relationship, I thought. One of my personal hypotheses about this has to do with the values in our country around money, and I think that sometimes they become intertwined with the idea that success comes from independence and self-sufficiency. Another thing that seemed to come up in the papers that I was reviewing was that our perspectives and our values play a huge part in how we think about money. Kind of seems really obvious, right? Like, of course, the things that I think are important, if I think money's important, then I'm going to be happier when I have a lot of money. I really think that values can be overlooked in life. I actually talk to people about values a lot in my work, especially when I've done some individual therapy work with people. I think that we tend to lose sight of our values sometimes. We develop values early in life and we kind of develop them as we live our lives and we experience different things and we meet different people. We kind of decide what is important to us and what do we want to allocate our energy to. So I often challenge people to think about what is most important to you and how can you construct your life to support that. I even sometimes will encourage people to do little sticky notes or use a journal to write down 
five or so things that are important to them that they want to allocate their energy to and that they want to construct their life to support. Sometimes those things are family. Sometimes they are having a good work-life balance. Sometimes it's something like integrity and, and having strong friendships. So I think when we talk about a topic like this, where there's so many different feelings and ideas and uh, motivations around money and happiness, I think it's important to remember that everyone really has different values. So we may perceive these things much differently. And with the theme of talking about different values and perspectives, I would like to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Austin. Hello. Hey, Austin. Austin is here today to, uh, to offer a different perspective in this topic that we're talking about with money and happiness. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Austin? Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I've enjoyed listening to the previous ones and I'm excited to get become a part of it. Um, yes, so uh, I'm, uh, my name is Austin. I'm 29 years old, uh, white, cis male. Um, I think maybe part of the reason you invited me specifically, uh, part, part of it is we've talked about some of these things before just conversationally, but also that, um, I think you and I have very different, uh, had very different experiences with money growing up. Um, you know, for me, I, I came from a family of relative financial stability. Um, both my parents had good jobs, you know, and money was definitely a concern, but never really a, a threat for, for me growing up. You know, my parents never had to worry about affording a mortgage payment or, or buying food or anything like that. Um, my relationship with money as a kid was much more in the context of, oh, I want this video game or whatever and, and <laughs> need to save up to afford it. So yes. um, I think that I'm sure that in some way colors my own opinions and beliefs regarding money today, though I can only guess as to how. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think that it w felt valuable to bring someone on who not only has had different experiences throughout your life, but also has chosen a very different um, career path than me. Mm -hmm. uh, when people think of social workers, they immediately think, oh, you don't make any money. <laughs> and We're... you're an engineer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so people are like, oh, you do make money. <laughs> so I thought that would be valuable. And specifically because um, I know that you have a, a really interesting way of thinking about money and the role it plays um, in your work, in your, your personal life, and kind of the way that you like to think about your work-life balance. Sure. I probably should have mentioned, I'm an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I work, in, I work in the medical industry. So um, I, I, I certainly, um, I'm not making six figures or anything, but I, yeah, I, I have a comfortable salary for sure. So thinking about the word happiness, when you think of that word, what does that mean for you? <sighs> happiness is, it's, it's such a loaded term. Um, I think of happiness like intelligence in that it's an oversimplification of a really broad category of human experience and trying to distill it into this singular thing. Um, for me, when I'm trying to ask myself the question, do I feel happy? Or am I happy right now? Am I happy with my life? I tend to take a kind of 
engineery approach to it of like, okay, if my mood ranges from like a one to a ten, uh, in each given moment, what is my average mood across a day? And then like, what is the average across this month? And if that is above, I don't know, 6.5, yes, I'm happy. And anything lower is not, but I don't, I don't think that's a very useful perspective in terms of having a meaningful discussion when you're getting that uh, mathematical about something that's fundamentally impossible to, to quantify. Mm-hmm. So you're the psychologist here, though, or social worker, at least. <laughs> How would you define happiness in a way that's productive to the conversation? <laughs> so I think you and I, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, but I think that for me, um, and I, I really wasn't sure when I first decided to do this podcast, I was like, well, this is kind of a weird word. Like, yeah. what does it mean to be happy? It's so subjective. And uh, different people rate it very differently, I think. Um, so I think there's a couple things I think about. I think about people's values. But I also, when I want to simplify the word happiness, I really like the idea of breaking it down into two main categories. So, you know, mood being, do I feel happy? Am I, you know, in an, am I having a day where I'm not feeling overly stressed or anxious or sad? Um, and also the part of, do I feel satisfied with my life? Do I feel content? Do I feel, um, you know, fulfilled? Mm-hmm. So I think those two categories are a nice way to simplify it because we could really go into a billion different areas of happiness. But I think those two things, in my eyes, seem to be like a good way to think about happiness. Yeah, I, I, I like that distinction a lot. It's, al- it's almost like mood is like your micro happiness and life satisfactions or macro happiness of like moment to moment versus sort of a more generalized state. But yeah, I, I think you have to simplify to have this conversation at all because otherwise we'll be here all day. But And I, I, I like that dichotomy of let's focus on these two elements of, of happiness. Yes, definitely. So in thinking about it in that way, how would you, how does happiness relate to financial stability in your life as well as kind of your work and what you do for a living the way i've always thought of money and happiness is that for me at least money can't buy happiness because the the, you happiness is not a thing that can be sourced from any one thing whether it's yes a good mood may come from a single source but that's not that's not sustainable long term. You know, eventually I run out of macaroni and cheese and I'm sad. <laughs> um, but money is a requirement for happiness. If I don't have money, I'm going to be in a bad mood. If I don't have money, I'm not going to be satisfied with the state of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think of it as kind of a, a, a necessity, but not a, a silver bullet to to making my life feel fulfilled. Um it's certainly something that I want more of, you know, talking professionally. Um, I'm always eager for, for promotions, eager, eager to earn my way up to, to a higher salary. Um, but part of me also kind of wonders how fulfilling that'll actually be, you know, am I, am, am I doing this for the title or am I doing this for the, the paycheck or am I doing it for neither? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure. 
So that point actually makes me think of something that I saw in the research that I don't think I mentioned to you yet. Okay. That um, some people tend to focus more on their finances later in life as opposed to early on in life. And the hypothesis that the, the researchers were drawing is that uh, people starting off in their careers are more willing to take lower salaries than uh, people who have worked in their field for a long time. And people who have worked in their field for a long time may feel like, oh, I should be making a certain amount of money. Um, and I think also there might be other factors as well. If someone's a little bit older, they may be more likely to have children or, you know, be doing different things mm -hmm. than someone who's fresh out of college. So that's really interesting. Um, so one thing that we've we've you and I have talked about before is um, work to live versus live to work. I am a hundred and ten percent. Sorry if you're listening to this my boss. Uh, I am a work to live person. I do my job first and foremost to support my life. There is no job in the world I would rather have than no job. Like if I could, if I could retire tomorrow comfortably, I would. Um, there's a lot of reasons for, and I, I like my job to be clear. I, I, I like my job. I like my coworkers. Um, but, but having to live on someone else's schedule, having to meet deadlines, having to deal with all the stress of work, if I could not deal with all that, I absolutely would in a heartbeat. And I think you're different in that regard. True. Yes. I was actually just talking with someone, um, recently this weekend, actually about my job, you know, someone was saying, do you actually like your job? Do you like working with people who are talking to you about these tough feelings and dealing with these um, these situations that are really sad and hurtful and just like hard to swallow sometimes. Um, and I said, yeah, like I hang out with kids all day. I don't <laughs> feel like I'm at work. I feel like I'm, I'm having meaningful conversations mm -hmm. with adults and trying to find ways to help kids be in more stable situations and help them learn how to deal with all this complicated stuff that will continue to, you know, burden them for their whole lives. So I find it very rewarding. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, as much as I find it important to do meaningful work, I also value money. Just like you said, you know, I think that it's hard to say that there's, I, I'll never say money isn't like a necessity. You know, it is something that when I pick my jobs, when I choose to work a couple extra shifts, I'm doing it so that I can have that financial stability. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, what I really appreciated about your perspective about the, you know, work to live kind of thing. Because as much as I do love my jobs, I also sometimes I might not want to go and take an extra <laughs> shift, you know, right. I might not want to go in for that 12 hour hospital shift. But... Well, let me ask if you if you won the lottery tomorrow and could could retire, would you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Would you retire from what, you know, one thing you see a lot of, uh, like, billionaires or like Bill Gates types where, um, you know, he's retired professionally, but fills his time, you know, working on these nonprofits where he's not, he's not really employed in that he's spending money, not making it, but he's still, he's still filling his time with what I would call work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do, uh, 
what what's your thoughts on that? Like, could you ever see yourself, given the right circumstances, going that route? Or definitely, absolutely. I think that's a great question. Um, you know, if I was in that situation, uh, which I, you know, I've never been in quite that situation. <laughs> but when I first moved to a new state and I wasn't working for several months. I thought, this is going to be great. I'm not going to be working. I can do whatever I want. I have all this free time. And it was wonderful at first. And, uh, you know, I had a great routine. I was exercising and exploring. And But at a certain point, I it's just I need a certain ratio of mm-hmm. work to fun stuff. You know, yep. like I enjoy feeling like I'm uh, contributing to whatever it is that I'm doing in my job or whatever I'm doing in, uh, you know, my volunteer work because I do some volunteer stuff as well. Um, So I think if I was to win the lottery or something like that and I was going to retire, quotes, (laughs) um, I would definitely continue to do something, whether it be like part-time therapy work or it be uh, focus more on pet therapy and using Juno to provide comfort and pet therapy to people. Um, I would probably just Alex. I, I probably would not work a full time job. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point of meeting deadlines and yep. all of that crunch stuff. I think I would probably phase some of that out and maybe just have a different balance. Uh, but right now, my balance is kind of good for me. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I've learned a lot about over the years. When I was an undergrad, I was working all the time. Anytime I wasn't in class, I was working. So I was like you know, stressed out all the time and just like kind of running on fumes and running on this like trauma response kind of mode. And, uh, it was, it was tough, but I thought it was the right thing to do. I thought it was like, this is how people are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I've kind of learned over the years that my balance is much better when I am able to have the summers off and when I'm Mm -hmm. able to have, uh, you know, shorter days and when I can, make time to do the stuff that I like to do, like travel or go hiking or kayaking or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I, this part of our conversation started with you talking about people later in their careers being more salary focused. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I brought, I bring this up of work to live versus live to work because I am very salary focused. I, I would never take a job I didn't like over when I did for a small salary raise because for me whether or not I want to be working heck because I would rather not be working it's even more important for me at at least from my perspective to like when I am working as much as I can Mm -hmm. and so you know for for a 20% raise I'm not going to go to a job I hate over a job I love Uh, but with that said I am very I'm going to say mercenary. I, I, I want a bigger salary. And the reason that I want a bigger salary is because I have a number in my head of once once my bank account hits this, I don't have to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to retire as young as possible. With that said, I'm honestly not sure if and when I ever hit that number, if I actually will. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'll go to working part-time or maybe just keep doing what I'm doing, but without the stress of, oh, I might get fired. Uh-huh. Because, you know, I'm, I'll do the work I want to do and that I'm happy to do and find fulfilling. And if that doesn't satisfy my employer, okay, so what? That's okay. I don't, I don't need them anymore. Um, 
And do you think that you would feel, you, you might take like more time off, you might just be more, a little more, uh, you might balance your time a little bit differently, even if you do remain in a full-time role, you would kind of try to take more vacation time or something like that. I definitely think so. And, and, and would be more focused on finding, I could then focus more on finding work that I found fulfilling, finding a work environment that I like, you know, rather than I need to keep climbing, I need to, mm-hmm. um... I need to reel in that retirement date. Right, <laughs> um, right. You know, my, my greatest my greatest fear is is finally having the time and resources to, you know, do whatever I want, pick up hobbies, explore the world, and and being too old to, to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You know, part and this is partly influenced. My dad effectively retired when he was like forty two <laughs> because my mom had was my dad was a, was a high school teacher, uh, whereas my mom's a business executive, and so mm-hmm. his salary compared to hers was um, small enough that my mom just he my dad was sick of working, uh, and my mom said quit, and he said <laughs> okay, and he did, <laughs> and I I really envy him of that. So I can appreciate that idea about wanting to retire early, and I think that. I appreciate that you also, you aren't so focused on retiring early that you don't make a life for yourself now. Because I think some people can become um, a little hyper-focused on their retirement. They can put all of their assets into uh, their, you know, their retirement funds, and then they kind of lose sight of their youth and the time that they could be spending doing some things that are a little bit more fulfilling than working, you know, 80 hours a week or something. Yep. But I think all of this brings um, brings us to something that I think guides so much of what we do in life, and that's our values. You know, one of your values is being able to work at a job that provides you a life that you enjoy, yep. and also work working towards retiring early so that you can have you know you can have as much time as possible, you know, enjoying life and traveling around and. Doing whatever without yep. without the work schedule and yep. the crunch and the grind. And another thing that we talked about previously when we started planning out this episode is something called source confusion. Yes. Which I know you were pretty excited I, about. I, I, source confusion is a thing that I'd always understood but never knew the name for. <laughs> and then when you started explaining it, I was like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> would, you, would you like to explain source confusion? <laughs> So source confusion is a term that was coined by a couple of researchers. I think it was like back in the 1970s. I apologize for not having their specific names off the top of my head. Source confusion is about when you are having a feeling or a sensation and you are, you're believing in that moment that that feeling is coming from something that it's not coming from. So in other words, you are, I come home from work and I am angry at my husband because he's playing video games after I had a really long day. The monster. Right. The monster. And I realize, you know, really, I'm probably not actually mad at him for playing video games. I'm mad because I just had a long day at work and I'm mad that he's home playing video games while I'm like, you know, I'm working. So he's really not the source. It's more like work being not so great that day. But he's the thing your brain latches on to. Exactly, exactly. Which I think many people can probably relate to. I know that example is a personal example that I've definitely experienced. 
No, definitely. Well, and uh, source confusion as it relates to money, I think, is so interesting because we we have this perception that money is a source of happiness, or that money, or that a lack of money is the source of unhappiness, mm-hmm. which a hundred percent can be the case. But I think a lot of the times it's source confusion. Like, for mm-hmm. example, I've always liked to write, just like write little short stories, fiction stuff, not for anyone else other than myself. It's just something I enjoy. But I, past few years, I haven't done much of it, really since college. And I always told myself that the reason for this is I just I just don't have time to do it. You know, I, I have to work 40, 40, 50 hours a week and, and have all these other responsibilities, and I just don't have time to write. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if 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 I was retired, you know, I would write an hour or two every single day. And wouldn't that be great? And then COVID happened and I got furloughed. And what do you know? I suddenly have 40 to 50 extra hours of free time every week. Um, and you know, some of that's obviously filled with like job hunting and those kinds of things. But, right, right. but ultimately I had all this, I had more time and finally I can write. And so I did. And I started writing for like a week and then stopped because the problem wasn't that I had to work and needed money or whatever. The source of my lack of motivation to write was just a lack of motivation. <laughs> um, so it was like, here's a problem that I thought more money would solve. And it didn't because that was never the problem. That was my excuse. Right. And I think that a lot of people, uh, I think we have a lot of problems like that, whether it's it's romantically, you know, oh, I, I can't, I can't attract a good partner because I don't, I don't make enough money or, or when really you're just mean or whatever, <laughs> um, or unlucky, you know, I don't, I don't know you, um, or, you know, all, all kinds of things that we, problems we have that we think money would solve when, when a lack of money is not the underlying pathology. Right, right. Which I think in the term, in thinking about values and source confusion, I think that brings up a great point. And we talked about this the other day that our country has a lot of values that are very focused on money. So there are a lot of ways that are in the media and in the news and in just in our society, it's portrayed that in order to be happy and to be successful, you must have a lot of money. Well, and in order to have worth Mm -hmm. that, that you're, 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 it's impossible to even, you can see in the language that we can't even talk about this without using financial language. Your worth or value as a person is tied to your income or your bank account or whatever. Right. And yeah, we, we think that we, we are told from a very young age that the more money you make, the more, the bigger a contributor you are to our society. And, and that therefore a failure to make enough money makes you a bad person somehow (laughs) um which doesn't really track at all but it's 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 something that's kind of it sits sits in the back of your mind absolutely and i think that we have like a lot of those things that we carry around implicitly i don't think we often are in touch with it i think that you know when i talked about earlier my my younger days when I was just like grinding, just working in school, working in school, I think it's a lot of those subconscious feelings that in order to be worthy of, you know, people's interest or just to be a person of value in this country, I need to be working all the time. I need to have money and all that. And, And I think that can be hard for people to come up to bat with, especially if they haven't been 
uh, fortunate, you know, if they haven't been given opportunities right. or, you know, financial stability from the beginning. Well, and that, that ties into it a lot, too, because it's a lot of times we, we have this narrative as well that, um, you know, it's kind of the, the, the financial Darwinism, right, that the people who have the money deserve to have it. And if you don't have money, you somehow deserve you deserve to have less resources than these other people. Mm. I grew up in an environment where I I never suffered too much stress thinking, ah, shoot, they've got more money than me. And so that probably contributes to me not thinking of money as this big, important thing that I have to have as much as some other people do. Right. Um, whereas if you, if you grow up, well, I can't speak for anyone who grew up differently than me, but yeah. um, I, can, I can see how it would gain an enhanced sense of importance beyond what is true or even really makes sense because that's what everything in our society is telling you. Right. That's what's being instilled in us very early on in life too. Yeah. I guess we better wrap it up because we could probably talk about this topic (laughs) all day. Sure, all night. (laughs) End up with like a three hour long episode. So we better uh, finish up. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) Absolutely. It was great. Thank you guys for listening to Grappling with Popular Belief this month. I apologize for the funky sound changes. Uh, When I was interviewing Austin, we were using a different microphone than I normally use. This was a really fun topic to grapple with and to do some research on and ask some of my friends and supports about. I am going to share some sources of the information that I've been sharing uh, on my blog, and I'll also have it on my Podbean page so that you can find that if you're looking for it. I also encourage you to look around online. There's a ton of different studies on money and happiness. So if you think this is a interesting topic, it might be fun for you to do some digging as well. So next month, I'll be coming on to talk about self-care and some of the different intricacies and mixed opinions and feelings about that. So I hope you all enjoyed the episode today and I hope you are all staying safe and hanging in there during this crazy time. 